You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan is going to tout the city's accomplishments under his watch as he gives his State of the City address. But one group that has seen mixed results during Detroit's revitalization is historic preservationists. And now, in the era of President Trump, those groups are worried about losing federal tax credits to help them restore historic buildings. What's the future of preservation efforts in and around Detroit? Three local historic preservation organizations are partnering this weekend to host Building Huggers' second annual community mingle in Eastern Market. The free event will take place Saturday, February 25th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And joining me now is Amy Swift. She's the founder of Building Hugger, uh, which is a Detroit-based renovation firm specializing in historic window restoration and repair. Amy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so as I said in the open there, I mean, we've seen mixed results uh, around town in, with regard to preservation. I don't think that's terribly different from other cities uh, that I've lived in. I mean, I, I think there is an American problem with this idea of sure. how to preserve uh, the past and uh, and at the same time move forward, right? Uh, when you have aging cities, uh, a lot of times people's instincts are to say, well, we can tear this down and, and build something new. Uh, we've been having that debate in Detroit for as long as I can remember, sure. uh, certainly, and and probably longer than I've been alive. But, but bring us up to date with where you think we are with that balance between preservation uh, and new development, uh, which is a real tension at times here sure. in the city. So preservation is always a you win some, you lose some kind of game <laughs> right. in any city, in any market. Uh, what was interesting, uh, I, I moved back to Detroit in 2011 uh, when we were still sort of in a down market. Yeah. Um, I had just come home from studying preservation in New York City at Columbia, mm-hmm. which was a very different kind of place in terms of uh, preservation's role as being more anti-development um, and and trying to fight pressures of, of increased development in Midtown and things like that. Um, and so when I came back, I mean, obviously we had, we have very different problems um, at the time as, as, you know, in a down market, you're trying to encourage development as a preservationist. So Mm -hmm. for the way, at least that I have always seen it is uh, in Detroit, in, in areas of down markets, uh, which we have historically been for, you know, some decades now. Um, So, uh, you know, I think that preservation has served a very different role of pro-development in the city. And so to me, it was a very different dialogue. It was uh, um, something that I felt uh, inclusive in in a development dialogue here. Um, And I think that uh, as the market shifts and as we especially have other types of uh, developers or, or owners or people of interest that are, are um, uh, pursuing and, and encouraging development here. We're seeing some of these other types of uh, forces happening um, uh, and that I think is starting to pit preservation against development, which I frankly, I've, I've always considered myself at the, the table of developers. Uh-huh. I would, you know, I think preservationists, Ultimately, if they see uh, themselves as developers, it's really pro good development. Right. Um, and so I think that uh, you know those are that those are some of the changes I've seen. Um, I think that we've won some, we, we've lost some, you know, and some big ones uh, as yeah. of late. Um, well, uh, one thing that I 
feel like has changed around here is that the biggest developers, at least of downtown, mm -hmm. seem more focused on reuse of what buildings are there than they used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and and some of that is just a shift in, in who's doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. When the Illich organization was the largest player in downtown, there, there were some very high-profile incidents where they mm -hmm. just decided, hey, we can get rid of this building and put something else here, and right. we're going to do it. Or we can get rid of this building and make a parking lot, which happened uh, in Countless a lot times. of yeah, in a lot of instances. Now with Dan Gilbert being the 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 major player in downtown mm -hmm. Detroit, he seems more interested in finding new life for buildings than tearing down and building new. Well, I think for the large developers, they're always going to look to the balance sheets to drive their decision making. Right. So at the, you know, it, at the, the period of, of Illich, you know, the, the balance sheets pointed to parking lots. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, here in this, in this period of time where, you know, uh, urban uh, development uh, of a more dense uh, variety, people wanting to move uh, into mixed use urban locations, neighborhoods, um, you know, that is driving a lot of the decision making. It, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I don't think that Dan Gilbert looks at, at uh, things any differently than Illich did, just that the numbers tell them something different nowadays. That, that there's more there's a, more of a, a financial advantage to being able to, and, and to that's, repopulate a building. And that comes from the interest of the populace. So because we want a more dense downtown, a more um, walkable downtown, then these things are starting to drive development in a different way. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Amy Swift, founder of Building Hunger, a Detroit-based renovation firm specializing in historic window restoration and repair. We are talking about uh, the Building Hugger's second annual community mingle in Eastern Market this Saturday, February 25th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. We're also talking about development in the city of Detroit, the balance between historic preservation and building new or tearing down. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the balance between uh, new development and uh, historic preservation. Talk about uh, what Detroit has done over its past to preserve history or in some cases to turn its back on that history and allow things to be torn down. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. Let's talk about uh, Saturday, what goes on at the community mingle, Amy. Yeah, so I mean, so this is the second annual. It started last year. We we had just moved into a new shop in Eastern Market. And we're really excited to share our new space with our clients and the community. Um, and being an advocate, being you know, I got into this line of work because we there's there's not enough trade skilled tradesmen and women to to do the work now that the interest is there. Um, and so as an advocate, I developed a business to fill a void that was needed in the market to do preservation in the city. Um, so we, we um, you know, saw, I saw it as an opportunity to invite other um, members of our community, Preservation Detroit, Brick and Beam, 
Michigan Historic Preservation Society. They are incredibly supportive of us. Uh, MHPN is is who I received my vocational training through, uh, and um, and so you know, I think that their work is incredibly important to us being able to continue our work and for me to be able to uh, employ Detroiters and grow and create yeah. more jobs. Yeah. Uh, so the community mingle on Saturday is our second annual, um, and you know last year was was so successful. We had you know over a hundred people that just came by to check out our our space, and um, you know so now we really wanted to add some uh, programming, but also um, use this as an opportunity to um, to raise awareness for the historic tax credit uh, that is um, in threat right now under yeah. threat. Uh, through the comprehensive uh, the tax reform um, uh, bill. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, talk about what effect that would have on a city like Detroit. Right. So, so like we we talked about earlier, um, there's two types of markets: an up up market and a down market. Um, the historic tax credit uh, functions differently in uh, those two types of markets. In a down market, it encourages development that would have maybe sat set blighted right. um, by filling the financial gap, uh, ultimately, um, to make that project work. Um, in an up market, what it does is it ultimately holds developers accountable to proper, um, maybe not proper, but you know, more authentic and more appropriate um, uh, development uh, detailing and, and um, de- decisions, ultimately, uh, to maintain that historic building stock the way that, that it needs to. So I think that Detroit, while we seem to be in an up market, also has areas, uh, you know, in Jefferson Chalmers, um, there's still struggle to make um, those developments work. Yeah. So I think that we have a lot of large-scale development that is able to, from a private sector, um, uh, that's able to work. But we also have sort of a, a tale of two cities still happening here. Um, and so that historic tax credit is important not only to the neighborhoods still to um, encourage de- development along some of their commercial corridors and, and uh, like Jeff Chalmers and um, uh, Livernois, um, but uh, also in the areas downtown uh, in Midtown that, that um, you know, have, have some private money now behind it. Sure. Encouraging that, that development to make proper decisions in accordance with the Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation. Yeah. Uh, so, which I think both are very important um, and drive uh, ultimately what's going to be the the, the makeup of our, our city in the future. Um, so, I think that you know the loss of the, there's no reason that this that this credit should be lost. Um, it it has uh, in you know it was signed into um, into law by President Reagan in 1981, mm-hmm. so it's actually older than I am. Um, <laughs> I would just like to slip that in. Um, and but this program has quietly drawn 120 billion dollars in private investment for rehabilitation of more than uh, 41,000 buildings in its lifetime, yeah. and um, and has created 2.3 million jobs. 75% generally are local. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, so in this, this has, this is a money earner for, for the government. It's really, it's such a slam dunk to keep. It's yeah. silly that it's even and it's not, I mean, on it, the chopping block. We should make clear. It's also not just developers who, who take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I lived in Maryland uh, for a long time and owned a really, really old house there. Mm-hmm. Lots of the renovations that we were doing in that house 
were covered by by historic right. tax credits, right. uh, both oh. at the state and the federal level. Right. So, yes, we always talk about the big projects that, uh, you know, like the Strathmore apartment buildings in Midtown where uh, they used historic tax credits. But there's also uh, another smaller development that happened uh, on Forest Street Um you know that that also benefited from the from the credits, but it was you know it's a it's a just a small multi unit conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so you know you have Woodbridge neighborhood also that that benefits uh, sometimes from this too. So I mean it it helps diversify the 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 people that or the you know who considers themselves a developer. Right. Right. And really empowers more people in the community to have a say uh, over what happens in their neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Dolores in Oak Park. Dolores, welcome to Hi, the today. Go ahead. Thank you, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Amy. Hi. You know what? Uh, as you were talking, I, I, I guess you sort of answered my question because my question was how the populace could drive the uh, development in the neighborhoods, much like things are being called for in downtown Detroit, like you were speaking to um, Mm -hmm. more areas of walking and bike riding and so forth. But I'm looking at, there's so many areas in Detroit, especially with my growing up here, there were, uh, you know, beautiful buildings and and various types of activities going on. So I guess my question is, what do you see? How, How do you see people influencing what can happen in their neighborhoods in terms of development? Hmm. Do, do you, am I making myself yeah. clear? <laughs> yeah. No, thank you very much for the call, Dolores. Uh, okay, Amy, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, well, I think I think that the historic tax credit is ultimately a very good example of uh, the the kinds of mechanisms that are available for people in their communities to to take uh, action in the in their communities. So, um, you know, we we talk a lot about Dan Gilbert investing and in, and in doing preservation work. I mean, ultimately, that makes sense in the in in you know financially right now. So, you know, but what can people in neighborhoods do where they're not in the the 7.2 downtown um, that are still in these challenging markets? Um, And the historic tax credit, as well as some of the other city initiatives, uh, the 0% repair loan, I mean, there's there's different types of initiatives that are coming out. They don't apply to everything. Um, But but I think it's important to, um, you know, we have lost a lot of of historic uh, architecture through the years, and it's really important for us to to cre- be creative in figuring out mechanisms to maintain and repair and restore what we do have left, and and infill appropriately from there, yeah. um, as opposed to tearing more things down. Yeah, I mean that's such a terribly delicate balance mm-hmm. in neighborhoods where you just have so much that mm-hmm. has gone empty uh, right. and, and is sitting there blighted. How much can you? How much can you realistically mm-hmm. um, restore, and how much do you have to sort of get out of the way for the right. future? Well, I think that comes from a planning level. I think that obviously the Detroit Future City took a, a pretty major stab at at that um, a few years back, sure. and that's an ongoing uh, research. But um, I, I think that uh, you know. Ultimately, neighborhoods and communities make a say of of what they want to see, um, and developers that are active in neighborhoods or communities, if they're going to be successful, they are going to be inclusive of the dialogue that is happening at the neighborhood level. So, um, you know, I think that downtown and midtown has gotten 
sort of away from that and that's like that's rolling right that's that's sort of you know that's that's bankrolled by this point yeah. um but i think that uh other neighborhoods um you know southwest detroit has a, a very vocal dialogue about you know between uh amongst the community of of what they want to see happen and um i think there's an incredible support network there as well um so i think that um finding if, if you want to be in, involved in your community and and take part of what happens in your community, becoming uh, a, a vocal member of the community, the, the CDC the, at the local levels, um, and uh, participating and talking to your neighbors and being supportive of, of the different uh, efforts that are being had. If there's a retail store that opens up, go to that retail store. Right. I mean, they right. support it. Yeah, support it. Like they, <laughs> they worked really hard to, um, to find, I mean, trust me, we, we had, it took us a while to, to figure <laughs> out where we're at. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're working, you know, to open a hardware store this next year out of our space. Um, so, you know, that's, it's going to be ultimately a few years in the making by the time we open it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hope, that people come to it <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> because it's a lot of effort and a lot of investment yeah. um, in a building. It, it takes a lot of time to find a, the right landlord that's going to help you out and the right that's building right. that's not, you know, just a mess um, because of all the disinvestment over the years. So it, it is a very challenging place still um, for development, particularly if you aren't bankrolled and you're just you're a neighbor and you're you're a community member that's trying to open a coffee shop or or um something for for the neighborhood um so um you know i think i think that the historic tax credit as well as some of the other city initiatives that mayor duggan has has been supportive of of uh getting together yeah. um as well as the community foundation and and motor city match and everything else so um you know, and it's all those little micro efforts that are are coagulating into um, into things that we can actually see and walk past on the street. Yeah. Okay, uh, Amy Swift, founder of Building Hugger, host of Building Hugger Second Annual Community Mingle this Friday, this Saturday, February twenty fifth, eleven to three in Eastern Market. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you so much. Today. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we're going to stop, talk some about the State of the Union, the labor union, and the Buy American effort. Is it changing? Is it sort of morphing into something that we haven't seen before? Stay with us on Detroit Today.